everyday injustice. Too many wrongful convictions, corruption has infected the criminal justice system. Leaving too many people helpless, fighting for their lives instead of receiving justice, people suffer. Is that why they say justice is blind? Hello and welcome to the Everyday Injustice Podcast. I'm your host, David Greenwald. For the past 10 years, we have operated Vanguard Court Watches in California, including San Francisco, Sacramento, and Yolo counties. Our goal? Expose everyday court injustices, and now, more broadly, shine a spotlight on injustices in the entire criminal justice system, in the form of wrongful convictions, police and prosecutorial misconduct, and mass incarceration. This podcast hopes to take it a step further and highlight criminal justice reform on a national level. Everyday injustice. Today on Everyday Injustice, we have Lizzie DeBose, um, who made her name uh, earlier this year by pressuring and succeeding in getting the city of Placerville to remove the noose from its city logo. And we have Stuart Harmon, uh, who is a documentary filmmaker, among other things, and has been chronicling this really amazing story. Um, So welcome to the show. Thank you. Appreciate you having us here. So Lucy, I'm really interested uh, because I'm, you know, in addition to everything else I, I do, I'm actually a student of history. And so I, I knew a little bit about uh, Hangtown and the noose. But even for somebody like me, it's pretty shocking that, you know, come the year 2021, there would be a city in California that had a noose in its logo. Mm-hmm. How did you get involved in this issue? Yeah, um, I mean, I've lived in the Placerville, Eldorado County area for 17 years. So I think just being a resident of the area automatically makes me involved. Um, And then, uh, yeah, last year when all of the social justice um, actions and protests and just raising awareness on, uh, you know, Black killings by police officers in America, you know, there was a lot of hype and a lot of trend on that but it wasn't something that I just wanted to like come and go in Placerville. I wanted it to stay long enough to make an impact. Um, So yeah, that's kind of what I and me and the community did, um, you know, continue to raise awareness and uh, targeted the logo because that needed to change. Um, You know, even if it wasn't the new situation, I feel like there is a stigma on the man that's like kneeling um with the gold pan that's kind of a other subconscious issue or actually it's pretty conscious actually it's right there um so yeah that was something that we could we could act on and and can you kind of walk us through how how that all worked i mean um it, it seemed like um you were at first unsuccessful and then uh you were successful. So what happened? Mm, I mean, honestly, I maybe it's the optimism in me, but I feel like it was successful the whole way through. I mean, there were 
rough patches and ebbs and flows of the entire thing. But I feel like the fact that it came to a final vote after like 10, 11 months of like protesting and um, doing the city council calls, they finally went our way and said yes um, to remove the noose. Um, but yeah, just a lot of local government pressure, a lot of pressure on local government, a lot of pressure on the merchants on Main Street, a lot of um, advocating and educating people on the streets, um, a lot of resilience, uh, a lot of power. <laughs> yeah, and um, we'll, we'll drill down a little bit more, but uh, Stuart, how did you get involved in, in this story? Yeah, good question. I actually saw Lizzie's social media posts. Um, I'm from Texas originally, not from this area. And um, I thought it was just really interesting that this debate was happening here in California, just like it's been happening back in Texas in the rest of the South in terms of the Confederate monuments. Um, and so I literally just reached out um, to Lizzie and to some other activists. I mean, I, my, I tend to, I don't know how you do it, David, but I tend to just kind of blast everybody and kind of see who's open and interested. And, and Lizzie was pretty interested in, um, you know, letting me kind of follow her efforts and stuff like that. So she was, she was really uh, warm and open to that. So, um, you know, the timing just kind of worked out. I was here um, because of the pandemic. My wife's from this area, from Sacramento. So we were out here. Um, and I was working on a few other projects, but this really perked my interest. And so what are your observations having watched this up close, but not directly involved in it? It's a good question. You know, it's a complicated, it's a very difficult, thorny issue, obviously. Um, in the area, this history, that this kind of narrative uh, and history, they've they've um, had for a very long time, since the very kind of beginning, the founding of the state, since people kind of had moved in, um, this iconography in some form or fashion has existed. Now, that's an interesting kind of aspect of this is that it has ebbed and flowed. You know, if you look back at the history, there was a group of people who didn't want to call it Hangtown originally, um, and they wanted to call it Placerville. They wanted to actually kind of move away from that name. Um, but yet to some people, it was still very important to have that kind of history uh, as still the namesake, I guess, or as a, as a moniker. Um, and so it really kind of um, got more uh, of a thing in the 40s and the 50s. And I think it was a little bit of a tourist thing, although I'm still trying to ferret that out. They started to kind of put up more nooses around and really adopt this to try to bring tourists there. But, you know, obviously at the same time, it was having this dual thing where, you know, some people of color were saying, you know, I don't feel welcome here. Why are we doing this? This is not my identity. Um, and, you know, it was a big question that there were so few people of color in the area. Why is that? Um, when there is actually a rich history, a very rich history of diversity in, in Placerville and in gold country. You know, this is actually at one point in time, one of the most diverse parts of the you know, arguably one of the most diverse parts of the country. Um, and so why is it not like that anymore? And so I was very curious to kind of just walk in Lizzie's shoes and watch the process. Because um, I, I, we were very interested in the process and how does this process work? 
Um, is it going to be clean? Are people going to do a kumbaya? <laughs> and like everybody's going to shake hands. And they're going to come up with some negotiation. And, you know, if you ask Lizzie, of course, that's not what happened. Um, it was a lot of kind of back and forth. And even, you know, she didn't bring this up, but the week after they did the vote, they also voted to keep the name, the nickname Hangtown. I don't know how substantial the actual vote itself was, but um, it was literally, you know, the next city council meeting, they, they did this, went swung back the other way. So, you know, I think Placerville has a little bit of an identity crisis um, and it's getting exacerbated because more people are moving out there. And Lizzie has chosen to stay. You know, a lot of people, I mean, one of our fellow activist friends is moving for a variety of reasons, but I mean, people move out and, you know, so I think that it's changing there. And I was very curious to see how this town and area was going to kind of, you know, reckon with that change. So from your perspective, Lizzie, I mean, what was the reaction when, when you started pushing this issue? Um, well, I mean, before I even started pushing this issue, I saw, I was witnessing the reaction, you know, from the comfort of my own home, um, just on Facebook. Um, at the time, I wasn't really on Facebook anyway, but I had heard that um, this progressive organization in Eldorado County, they wanted to do a protest to raise awareness on George Floyd. Um, and that got a lot of backlash, like extreme backlash. Like the things that I read on Facebook from the people and residents who claim to love um, Placerville and Hangtown was pretty like horrific and very disgusting. And it made me so disappointed because I always tell people about how, well, I feel like Placerville is not necessarily the brightest definition of fun, but you know, in fall we have Apple Hill and that brings tourists in during the winter. It's cold and it's super pretty when it snows and people like to come for that and they go snowboarding at Sierra. So I've always um, spoken really well or nice things about Placerville and I've lived here for so long. Um, so when I heard that there was going to be a protest on George Floyd, I was so excited. I was like, I've never been to a protest. I want to go, I'll make a sign. Like I'll, I'll be, I'll be in the front, like, you know, and then the things that people were saying on Facebook, I was just like, I mean, offended is like the a term to use for lack of better words. Cause I, I was just like, just like disgusted. Like I probably, it was just made me sick. Um, and so I just kind of wanted to do something. And it was the same week where uh, people of Placeville were saying that um, like Antifa was coming and they were going to board up and they did. And like Hell's Angels and other motorcycle <laughs> affiliations like strolled through the same day, like trying to protect the town with quotes. But all it did was raise fear and intimidation in people like me who just wanted to protest peacefully like the First Amendment says that we can. Um, and so, yeah, it was the, re it, the reaction, my initial reaction was very much shocking. And then the follow-up reaction to doing the protest in person and just being out there um, in the street, you know, the front lines of the whole thing was pretty much the same expectation was met, you know, big loud trucks, big loud motorcycles, people flipping us off, yelling at us, saying that we didn't live there, we didn't belong there, all the whole shabam, all of it, we got it straight to the dome. <laughs> And was this a new experience from your perspective? I mean, uh, you know, having lived there, uh, was race an issue for you or or did this just kind of spring up? Yeah, um, it's hard because I feel like 
race wasn't necessarily that big of an issue, but at the same time, I knew that I was considered whitewashed. I knew that I wasn't the blackest black person. Like I knew that I was white for a black girl only because that's what people kept saying. And I was, and I just wanted to make friends and wanted to be the happy go lucky Lizzie that everyone like knew from fifth grade. So I just had to keep this like people pleasing mentality of like not getting offended by little things and like brushing things off or just like blocking out like the evil language of people passing by. Like I just kind of like kept to my own and never really made a fuss about anything ever but in this day and age it was just it was my time to say enough is enough and I literally told myself that I did not care if people did not like me anymore if they didn't want to talk to me anymore if they didn't want to be my friend anymore like it was worth it to lose any friends or any um whoever that I had over this situation like it was you know I had to just take myself into account and just do what my heart felt good to do and that's what I did and you know, you have to lead with your heart and you win sometimes. And I didn't even, my goal wasn't to win anything. I didn't expect to win an award. I didn't expect the city council to finally agree to lose the news. I didn't expect any of that. I just wanted to go out there and show people, you know, what I feel and what I believe in. And if people want to follow suit, then that's good. And if not, then if, you know, I'm used to people telling me no. So it wasn't going to hurt my feelings if I was the only one doing this the whole entire time. And it seems like this was almost a personal transformation for you that, that not only was this an important event, but it kind of changed who you were or how mm -hmm. you went about uh, your public persona at least. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely was. Yeah, I mean, I don't even want to say an awakening, but I feel like I've been using that term often for this situation but yeah I literally had to wake up from like from like suppressing all the feelings that I was feeling about being black in America and being black in a place like Placerville I just had to I don't know it was almost like I was almost like hiding from my own skin for like 26 years and then but I was so happy and appreciative to be black like I know my culture and I know my heritage and all that stuff but I just like just when you're surrounded by a high population of like white people all of your life you just kind of like go blind to your I guess your own skin and what's in front of you um, and what you see in the mirror and I had to like unlearn and let go of all of my of everything that I knew about, I don't know, being a human or just getting along with people. I had to let it all go and just kind of start fresh in my skin. Stuart, what did you kind of learn from this? I mean, what surprises you about your experience doing this? Yeah, I mean, you know, I actually have followed also the pro news folks. So, you know, I tried to go in with as much of a neutral eye as I could. Um, you know, I was optimistic. I was hopeful that this would be sorted out and led by the city council in some kind of constructive way. And there were actually early on, you know, we have some meetings between Lizzie and some of the folks on the pro news side, um, uh, which I'm sure Lizzie's smiling about right now, but um, that were quite interesting. Um, and, you know, I was hopeful that there would be some kind of like formal resolution and they go through a process and that kind of thing. And the city council would take leadership role in that process. And it was so fraught. And um, I actually kind of put a lot of shade on the city council because I think they didn't do a very good job of trying to lead. 
through the process. Um, they wanted to dodge the issue. They wanted to pun it. They wanted to not deal with it. Um, and they were kind of flip-flopping the whole time and they couldn't even just tell one side. And so it actually just frustrated everyone because people were looking to them to take a stand. And so I, I realized that I don't know if our public officials are equipped for this. And, and you know, you kind of, I'm sure you know this by now, David, but when it comes to these kind of very thorny issues, I don't know if they're, if they have a means to do it, you know, it's just so complicated. And so, you know, for these things to change or happen, it's usually just going to take a lot of pressure, I think, um, from one side or the other. So I think that was the biggest, a little bit of a surprise. Maybe I was naive going into that, you know, kind of thinking that. But the other interesting thing was, it's, you know, not only Lizzie, but there were several folks who wanted to change and get rid of the noose who were very close, had very close relationships to the pro-noose people, actually. You know, they had been friends for a decade, worked on several other projects. I mean, people were very intertwined there because it's a small town. Um, and those relationships really fractured and strained, you know, um, some of them definitely, you know, uh, completely, I think people, some people walk away from each other over it. So, um, you know, I was hopeful that it would, people's relationships and love would kind of survive this, but it, it was just too fraught and difficult. So, um, yeah. I actually, you know, um, I know what you're saying in terms of how the council handled it. Uh, you know, in my theory, and I've done this for 15 years, um, and a lot of my work has been around city councils, is that you usually have this kind of dynamic where, you know, there may be some issues where the city council just takes one position or the other, they feel really strongly and they're gonna dig in and, and that's what they're gonna do and, and they don't care. On most issues, that's not how they go about their business. They, they wanna kind of figure out, okay, where is the community happy medium point where we can kind of, you know, um, okay, there's a group over here, there's a group over here, let's see where we can mesh in the middle and get something that at least everybody can walk away saying, okay, that was fair. Um, and, and this is not an issue you can do that on is the problem. And so they set themselves up uh, when, when they go about that um, to, to look like, uh, I'll, I'll just say it, weenies, right? Um, you know, they're, they're in the middle. Uh, you can't be in the middle on this. Um, so that that's at least listening to your description, my sense of it. And they they didn't they probably couldn't figure out a way out of it. Um, I don't know, Lizzie, you're laughing. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say real quick. They had a process. They they had actually found a. Um, I'm blanking on the named lizzie do you remember but they a person who does these like mediations like a mediator yeah who actually gave moderator them, moderator yeah who gave them this like six-step process that they were going to go through so you know obviously there had to be a decision one way or the other but at mm -hmm. least people could feel like they were heard mm -hmm. and they like started it and then abandoned it <laughs> you know before even completing the process you know i think i do wonder and lizzie i'm sure you can speak to this how social media if it would have been different if it wasn't a pandemic like if people were had to meet in person I don't know you know because like a lot of people from the county called in you know that's the weird thing too is you've got this Placerville is kind of changing you know it's turning blue but the county is still fairly conservative and so a lot you know you would have this county influence and, and correct me if I'm wrong Lizzie but I like think, it felt like I I think the oh yeah you're right I think the county's red but Placerville's blue yeah 
Yeah. And so there was always this influence of people calling in from the county who weren't necessarily in the city. Mm-hmm. And also on both sides, some people from Sacramento calling in favor of losing the news. So, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know if the dynamic would have been different in person, but I just know they like tried to come up with a process that seemed good and then abandoned it, you know. And so at least like stick to your guns on that. Yeah. The way I kind of interpret it as is the city of Possible had never, ever, 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 ever in their wildest dreams thought that someone like me or a group of people like us would have ever challenged them on this logo. They never thought it. It never even crossed their mind. Even the people before them, it was never, it was never a thought process. So when the pandemic happened and then it, the city council meetings just went straight to zoom. I think, um, and I wasn't even when the pandemic even started city council, the local government wasn't even on my mind. I was like, Oh, like stay at home. Okay. Like, Oh, make a bunch of bread. Like, you know, everyone's doing on TikTok, like doing all those things. Like I was doing all those things and doing all the things that, you know, they were telling us to do, like, don't even go outside, like um, do a grocery order thing and pick it up, um, you know, do roadside pickup and, but still continue to support your small businesses. I was following all the rules, doing all the things, wearing the mask six feet apart, the whole shabam. And still the country could not stop murdering black people and people of color. And it was, it was aggravating me because I was just like, I had already known that it was an issue, but like I said before, I was, I was ignoring my own issues, like my own, like racial issues in this world. And then when it was continuing to happen, I was just like, what is going on? Like, is it like, is it really going to take me to like get out of my biggest comfort zone bubble to make us like a stand one time and for something to get done? And then, and the argument too was like, oh, well, black people aren't dying impossible, are they? Aren't your sheriffs super nice to everyone? Your, your sheriffs don't pull over. Like, the, the, well, your cops don't do this and your cops are really good. It was that whole thing back and forth. But I'm like, but it doesn't matter if the cops are good or not. If they're good, then they're following the rules and they're doing their job. Great, you get an A plus for that. But like the, the macro part of it is failing dramatically and people are losing their fathers and losing their brothers and losing their sisters over uh not putting on their blinker and like that's what was making me upset and i've gotten pulled over countless times and i you know have only ever gotten a slap on the wrist or a ticket but like i can only imagine if it was worse and i at the end of the day just didn't want to be another name on a poster and people saying say her name because something happened to me um because i was at the wrong place at the wrong time so um I don't even remember what the original question was, but oh yeah, with the city council. And so, um, yeah, I don't think that it had ever crossed their mind that anyone was ever going to challenge them or challenge their people on the noose because it's so scary. It's so intimidating. And the fact that we did and they didn't have a backup plan and they, they didn't even know how to react. They, it just, they, it just took them forever to figure out a plan and come up with solutions and the, topic was tabled countless times and it almost felt like they were really just going with the flow of the community if we were out there protesting and we had good um good feedback and the media caught good attention of it and it went to the mountain democrat and it was good then like the city council was like yay like good job you guys like keep up the good work but then when there was like a bunch of backlash and the media caught that part and then there was like more nooses being put up and more people showing up and uh 
cowboy outfits and stuff like that. It was like they didn't want to address anything. It was very like laissez-faire government. Like they didn't want to address anything because whatever connections they have locally, they didn't want to either lose those connections or them to get targeted. Like that's the privilege of having a choice on what to speak on or not to speak on. And I kind of had to prove that like, I don't have that privilege. You know, if I walk out, um, I'm already in my black skin. If people look at me funny or interestingly, they, you know, ask me if I'm from there, if I live there, you know, all that stuff. And so it's just like, I have to kind of think about everything that way. And then the city council just has to, I don't know, say yay or nay to things and hope that nothing happens to them and their family and their businesses and stuff like that, which is totally understandable. And I respect all of them, but I just wanted them to like see for themselves what it feels like to be me or be people like Stuart in the community who care about this stuff. And, you know, we live here and it's our home too. And so um, I'm glad that they finally <laughs> like paid attention long enough and listened long enough and took us seriously long enough to make the decision that they made. And it was a great decision. But before they got there, everything escalated in part, it seems like, because they didn't, uh, they didn't put their weight into it. Uh, so talk about, you know, some of the nooses and, and, and some of the harassment that happened. Yeah. Okay. We're really going to have to go deep into my memory bank because it, it's like, I haven't really... I've processed everything, I think, but um, time passes. And so it's almost like I kind of forgot some of the things. And I think that that's what happens. That's a tra trauma response when you're just at the forefront of these like high volume ten tension situations. You kind of, I don't know, just black out a little bit. But um, yeah, I mean, the first situation with the first day I was out there, you know, um, someone drove by and called me the N-word. Someone else rubbed their motorcycle engine at me and told me that it was called Hangtown for a reason and to get out of their town. Um, we had another incident on the bridge where these like two men trying to be macho guys, like kind of like came towards us and was like asking us like what we were doing. And Stuart was there with the camera and they were like, oh, like we don't want to be recorded. And he was like, oh, we're making a documentary. Like you came to us type of situation. Um, just a lot of like verbal confrontation. Um, a lot of proud boys with knives that, you know, they didn't do anything with them, but it's the fact that they showed up to a place, the courthouse that's behind you right now, they would show up to where we would protest a place that we've worked very, very hard to make it a safe space for every single person to be there and speak their mind, they would come, um, you know, with knives uh, for protection. Um, like we, like I was gonna do something to them. Um, you know, it's just a lot of the typical like intimidation tactics, all of it. They, they pulled out all, all, the, all the guns, but not real guns, but you know, they, they did everything. Um, and, uh, Stuart, why don't you talk about some of the things you saw? Yeah, I mean, you know, there would always be these kind of more tense points, um, around their actions and stuff like that and around city council and then it kind of quiet down. Um, and so it was a ebb and flow and ebb and flow. Um, and, you know, it was, it was tricky because I think the city council too, didn't want the media attention and, and um, you know, Lizzie and, and some of her other activists 
were kind of got pretty smart media wise and had a, a pretty good relationship with folks um, to be able to get media up there. And that helped because I think ultimately that, you know, the city council, that's something that they do really care about is how they look on, on um, that. So, um, you know, it's so hard when you're in this and you probably know this, David, too, in terms of threats, um, you know, there's just social media as its own monster. Uh, in and of itself. People are very active in Eldorado County on social media. And I follow them pretty often. And so it's always hard to tell when people are making threats where the line is, you know, and obviously we know some things spill out of social media into real life. And so, you know, I was always definitely concerned about everyone's safety, you know, on all sides, not so much my safety, because I could always leave and come back to Sacramento. Um, But, you know, making sure that, you know, I wasn't ever going to put anybody in a, in a, uncomfortable position or something like that. Cause I think there was some safety concerns. Um, you just kind of didn't know. And what was happening in Placerville also was happening across California and the rest of the country. And so it was, that's what I was so drawn to was such a microcosm. And so, you know, you'd see events happen in the other country, parts of the country, Kenosha, you know, the list goes on and you wonder, you know, could that happen here? And I think that's like always a concern. And, um, you know, the police department there is pretty interesting. Um, and, you know, I think they they were pretty unprepared early on for the protests. I think they just didn't even like the same thing, like conceive that, oh, we're going to have people over here. And then because they've had little rallies and stuff, but usually there's never counter protesters. You know, <laughs> when you bring in counter protesters, it's a whole different ball game. I almost um, feel like that was the first time when I mean, I don't know, I've only been around for 27 years, but kind of the it felt like that was like the first time where Placerville had ever experienced protesters and counter protesters and violent verbal communication and helicopters filming and uh, news people filming their areas. Like it was wild. Well, I remember I when that's it happened, true. you know, you, um, you heard about the, this confrontation in Placerville and you're like, Placerville? Really? Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, I mean, that's just an outsider's perspective, but, but yeah, I mean, it's not something that you would expect. I, I mean, it was, um, you know, we covered um, it in 2017 at, at the Capitol in Sacramento when, when the neo-Nazis clashed with uh, Antifa. Um, and, you know, that was unusual even for Sacramento and that's the state capital. You just don't, most, most of the time you don't see that kind of stuff. You, you know, you might see a few counter protesters on the side, but not like this big clash of protesters on both sides with the emotions heated up. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you're so right. And just like you said, Lizzie, I think you're so right. And the police department was really you know, not ready for it. And they only have what, seven officers or, or six officers or something like that. But now, and sorry, you want to jump in? I just, I just thought of something. I forgot. See it. Cause I forget that I remember. Okay. So it's like, it's funny because it's like the police officers weren't necessarily prepared, but literally I think it was day two, day two of me protesting in the Ivy lot. That's when chief, um, well, he wasn't the chief yet, but Joe Wren, officer Joe Wren, who was interim chief running for the chief position he's the one that came to me with his um 
assistant officer and he said that he had seen my video because the video of the guy on the motorcycle that was yelling at me went viral like on TikTok and Instagram and all that stuff like that and um he said that he saw the video and he felt for me and he wanted me to know that I was protected and I was safe and that something like that was like pretty much never going to happen to me again and he wanted me to know that he supported what I was doing and what I was doing was good. Right. And, um, that same night he let us do like a March down to the bell tower and back around. And then we stopped at the courthouse and I said a little two cents on, you know, black lives matter and George Floyd. And we did, um, when we kneeled for uh, a few moments, um, for, you know, kneel in silence for all those who lost their lives to police brutality. And, it was the biggest momentum and and same night that was when um dennis thomas and wendy thomas the mayor of possible and his wife her what his wife came to me and they like shook my hand they're like this what you're doing is amazing da, 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 da. and so it was like i got to experience from very early on how people like that with positions like that could come to me so quickly and like congratulate me on like this good thing that i've only been doing for 48 hours but like I said before, they didn't think that we were going to be so resilient and we were going to stick to what we said and continue to do it until change was activated. Because I'm I'm about action at this point. Um, like if you're going to complain about something and if you're going to want some type of action to happen, you need to physically do the thing that you need to do to make that thing move. If you're just going to talk about it, then nothing's ever going to happen. Then there's no point in complaining or, you know, protesting what you're protesting but if you're going to activate something like so that's kind of what I what I did activated it <laughs> just a little bit just a little bit not a lot yeah and and I'm I'm curious to see what you think in the end I, I actually think the Placerville and obviously look they've got blind spots as we know um and they've made some mistakes but you know their chief was really trying to engage with Lizzie quite a bit. And he took a pretty, and like, as they progressed, he seemed much more prepared to try to, and he, and he had a pretty light hand. Um, and again, that's tricky. That's a tricky situation. And, and, and we've seen police responses mm -hmm. across the country, you know, um, and we can critique them to the cows come home. I, it was a different kind of thing. And, you know, it's a small town and he had a very, he's a very small town kind of guy. Yeah. You know, yeah. and, he's he's definitely not aware of some of the larger things at play but he did seem like he was trying as much as possible to let lizzie and her folks do what she wanted to do right or or i don't yeah, know yeah yeah no i don't want to make broad no 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 but, no, no, no i feel like he didn't you know, come after right, you guys right. and no, shut no, no, you down no and, you're yeah. you're right he made he he gets an a for effort i think that he put in a great effort he you know he gave me his personal cell phone number i still have it it works i texted him like a couple weeks ago because um my car got hit in a parking lot but that's another story um and i was just making sure i was like hey just letting you know um da -da -da. um but anyway um so yeah so he made an effort and he followed up and i mean i think it was just like a level of communication because i am telling you the um the small town vibes and energy of it's okay it's like playing telephone like when you tell someone something in their ear and then they keep going around and then it turns into being the complete opposite of how it started that's how possible it is it's like the second 
there's one thing that's going on, it gets circled around and then it comes back and it comes back to be the opposite. And then that's what people react on is the opposite of the truth of what's going on. So I think Joe knew that going in. And so he wanted to have like close communication with me. Like, cause like if I was just gonna have a peaceful protest and I can text him and say, hey, we're having a peaceful protest. It's gonna be 20 to 30 people. Um, if you wanna have some guys just like make their runs back and forth and make sure that we're okay because we're nervous that, um, cause a lot of it, our, our main concern was safety, yes. But then safety from who? The people that lived there also that were um, the, anti the anti-protesters the counter-protesters and so we just needed space from that because they almost kept like not like coming at us too much or maybe I'm being too soft but like they just kept wanting to like intervene and intertwine and 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 just hack all of our stuff and I'm just like we can't we can still do what we want to do but like if you guys want to stay on one side of the street that's fine it did create division but like let's face it the division was already there it just got brought to the surface and they kept saying oh lizzie like you're creating so much division like you're so divisive like the town is so angry because of what you're doing i'm just like no honey the town was already thinking this way the only reason why it seems so divisive is because i'm finally getting out of my comfort zone and speaking on something that's very important to me and a group of people white men old white men don't like it and that's an issue and if you can't see that that's an issue then you're a part of the problem and so um and a lot of people don't like that but it's the truth it's 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 i don't i it's literally the truth um one one thing i i think is kind of interesting here watching the police response is that a lot of times, you know, you get these uh, protests that that are in response to a police shooting. This wasn't in response to a police shooting. So, you know, in this case, the police really had no stake in this uh, other than probably wanting to ensure that um, things didn't get out of hand. Uh, so, so that might color how they respond to it, you know, and who knows what they think about, you know, a new cinema. Uh, a, a mural, but uh, you know, it's not their department uh, who whose neck is on the chopping block in this case. But you know, to be fair, and Lizzie will attest to this more than me. You know, that local police was quite different than the sheriff. Um, and you know, I'm sure you guys have done some um, reporting on the sheriff out there. Um, and the sheriff, you know, is a political position, um, and he had had his own you know, been a part of other rallies while I was out there and they weren't explicitly like against the Black Lives Matter, but there was definitely an undertone. And so he had a very different position. That's something that I think Joe Wren, the Placerville person guy, that wasn't his thing, you know? Um, so he, he did, you know, he was a very engaged, he wants to meet everybody. He wants to talk to everyone, you know? And, and so, um, you know, I think it was probably for the better because there were definitely some tense moments. I mean, you know, if you, I don't know if you've been out there, David, but it's on this right on the main street corner. There are cars coming through. You know, they didn't have barricades up. People are going into the street. There's big trucks coming through. There's motorcycles. There's like a, there's could be potential for danger there. And, you know, for the most part with their small group, they did a decent job of trying to keep it under control. A lot of people drunk, a lot of people from out of the town too, coming into town, you know, from completely out of the county too, you know. Um, that we've kind of tracked back. And it often would get exacerbated by what was happening in Sacramento at the time, because a lot of the same folks would be up there to counter-protest 
Lizzie, and then they would be down in Sacramento as part of some of the events that were happening, you know, the Stop the Steal and stuff here. And so it was kind of part of that whole milieu at the time. I mean, I actually captured some of the same folks who were here in Sacramento showing up at Lizzie's as counter protesters on camera. So um, that doesn't surprise me. Um, you know, um, and, and kind of looking at the broader picture, I mean, uh, one of the issues I've been tracking a little bit um, in part because uh, my mother went to uh, college there. Um, so in Boone County, Missouri, um, which is uh, where Columbia, the University of Missouri uh, is located, um, they have this big controversy right now um, because there's a lynching mural uh, and it's being displayed still at the Boone County Courthouse. And so you got this kind of interesting uh, situation, right? Uh, so like if you look at a map of Missouri, often you will see a little dot of blue right in the center of the, of the mass of red, which is the college town of Columbia, uh, surrounded by what might as well be the deep south. Um, and so it's a, a really heated dynamic now because they're tr uh, trying to, you know, get down uh, this mural, uh, which has like Native Americans being lynched and people pointing rifles at them. And it, uh, you know, doesn't look, uh, doesn't look like something that should be up in a courthouse in 2021, for sure. Um, so it seems like these issues are happening all over the place where all of a sudden people are like, hey, maybe we should have these uh, things in, uh, on display uh, at this point in time. Well, the Sutter statue in Sacramento, you know, and the Sutter Fort revision essentially, I mean, this is happening all over. Um, and, you know, I understand, and again, this is my neutral journalist documentary hat here. You know, I understand the, I guess the other side there, you know, they grow up and most people say, I didn't even think about it, you know, and actually several of them who said that wouldn't join Lizzie's, you know, uh, kind of efforts and that kind of thing too. And so, um, you know, it's, this is really about identity. You know, the noose is just a representation of something else, you know, something, an identity that they think is being challenged. And so, um, which obviously of all the symbols, it's a very controversial symbol to choose for your identity, um, you know, versus something else. So, um, to them, they can't even fathom it. You know, it's it's just like, you know, just like Lizzie said, it was, you know, that somebody is not thinking about these kind of symbols and how somebody else may respond to it. I mean, it's and I had the same problem with the Confederate flag um, because I'm like the Confederate flag was the symbol that was used by the rebel states who were fighting to keep slavery. Um, you know, do you want the Nazi flag flying at your, um, at, at your governor's mansion? I mean, how appropriate is that? Exactly. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, um, I was going to say that, so back to kind of what you said about how, um, a lot of these protests were in response to like cops killing people of color you know or just people in general but specifically black men um 
And, you know, a lot of people were saying like, oh, you know, that's not going on in Alberta County. That's not going on here. Like, why are you protesting? Like, why are you so mad? And, you know, I'd always have to explain the grander scheme of what was really going on and how it was affecting me as an individual and the community, you know, the Black community, even though it was less than 1%, you know, impossible, like the percentage of us is 0.08%. Like, we barely even make up 1%, but I feel like the almost one percent that's their their opinions and their voices and their dreams and everything that they do should matter and should account for something and that's the point of being 18 and voting is voting for the people that um you know care about what you're what you want from government and what you're saying and um your safety um so i feel like you know it's I feel like people were so pressed at the fact that we wanted the noose to be removed and they're like oh it's just a silly little noose oh it's so tiny you can't even see it and I'm just like okay well if it's so tiny that you can't even see it then you shouldn't care that it's gone because if it already looks like it's gone because it's so small in the background then it shouldn't matter when it's already gone um, or when we remove it um, and, you know, they say like, oh, well, the noose was it was used for justice or only three people of color were hung and it's because they were criminals and it's the whole the whole thing. And I'm just like, that's the issue is calling people criminals when they weren't criminals or even if they were. But like just putting the blanket statement of like they were hung because they were criminals, it like disinvalidates us and what we're doing. And, you know, it. it it's just, it's 2021, like in the 1840s, of course, you know, there's a vigilante justice. I understand that history, but what people need to understand is the history that's going on presently um, and how that's going to affect the future. So that's another reason why I decided that now was the time to take a stand because I, you know, the only way to like prevent the future is to create a better future. So if, you know, what I need to do is, protest peacefully and teach others how to do that um, and if that's going to create a better future for possible which you know a lot of people have told me themselves that it will or that it is already then I think that I'm doing exactly what I need to do. You know what's interesting about all those defenses is you know there's actually a pretty interesting history of lynching in uh kind of the foothills of uh Northern California, um, you know, if you go up a little bit to Downeyville, um, you know, there's the famous uh, lynching bridge uh, where uh, a Hispanic woman was lynched, um, you know, and she was like 20 years old in 1851. So, I mean, the, the idea that, you know, maybe in Placerville, there isn't like this history necessarily, but, you don't have to go very far to find a lot. Um, and I think a lot of people don't even know the history, to be honest. Um, so so that's always kind of my thing is, hey, um, you know, are you aware that there were actually slaves in Northern California at one point? I mean, people don't know that, uh, you know, even in Yolo County where I live, you know, there um, one of my researchers found uh, history of slavery uh, in Yolo County. You wouldn't think that, but it's true. <laughs> um, and so, you know, lynching was, was very common uh, and it was often done against Native Americans and uh, Mexicans. Um, so the idea that uh, this doesn't have a history and then in, in general, you know, the symbol has been used as a symbol of oppression 
um, not a symbol of justice. I mean, lynching, if anything, you know, the noose is not a, a justice symbol. It's a, it's a symbol of people taking the law into their own hand and not giving people due process. Um, is that really what you want to be known for uh, in 2021? Yeah, I mean, you hit on so many good points and it's interesting because you're right, you know, a lot of the people I interviewed didn't know the specifics of the specific case that there's that it's been called Hangtown. You know, there's just like, it's more about the narrative and the idea than the actual facts, which I think is, is pretty interesting and pretty telling about all of this. Um, but for like Lizzie and their folks, they kind of actually don't care about the history, which I understand too. It's like the history, you guys can have the history. This isn't, I'm not even going to argue with you about the history. This is about today and how we should feel today, um, you know, regardless of what the history was, um, which I think that's an interesting, you know, that's a, definitely an interesting approach um, because you, the problem is it's like, you know, you can find the problem with this history, for instance, this is another interesting thing is that um, there is only one account. There's only one actual person who was there and all the other newspapers after that reported 10, 20 years later, and they always had a specific kind of version of events that conflicted with the original account, but those were based on just the lore of the time. And so what do you believe? You know, what is the history? How do you find that out? You only have this one person's account, you know, and, and folks who are pro news say, well, that person's account, you know, he's got different interests, he's biased. So he wrote it a certain way. So, you know, um, I think that's just the, the interesting thing about all of this is that, you know, Lizzie and them, you know, are like that, you know, you guys can argue about that all you want, but it's not what this is about. <laughs> this is about today. I thought I unmuted myself, um, but I was just going to say, it's just like, it's not that I didn't care about the history, but the only part of the history that everyone else seemed to care about was like, from the perspective, once again, of a white man or a white family that was generationally grown up there since like Sutter's Mill was built, but no one was talking about the Nisanon village that was there before Main Street was there, the Madu tribe, you know, no one was talking about the Native American history. And then when you do talk about it, it's very brief, briefly kept in conversation. Like they know exactly what happened and they don't care. So it's like, they think that we don't care about their, you know, white heritage, but the fact of the matter is, is that they don't care about the heritage and the culture and the history of Native American civilization because they pretty much completely wiped it out besides a few. And they, those people, a lot of them still live there and they're silenced and they're quiet because they know that when they speak up about it, they're going to get silenced and suppressed more still in this day. So, um, yeah. Well, this has been a great conversation. I learned a lot. Um, I want to thank both of you for coming on. Thank Yay, you. Thanks. Thank you for having us. Great so to chat with you. This has been Justice. We had uh, Lizzie DeBose and <laughs> Stuart Harmon talking about Placerville and uh, the noose that uh, shall be no more. Um, mm. and, and hopefully at some point, um, Placerville will uh, be embarrassed by the, the moniker Hangtown rather than uh, see it as a source of, uh, of pride. Uh, mm -hmm. This has been Everyday Injustice. I'm your host, David Greenwald. Join us again next time for more tales from the injustice system.
Thank you to George Powell and Norman Mousequake Barrett for the use of our opening, Everyday Injustice. You can see more of George's music at www.justiceforgeorgepowell.com. That's justiceforgeorgepowell, all one word, dot com.